Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland, and as always, we are sponsored by Running Aces Casino and Racetrack near Forest Lake, Minnesota. Special shout out, thanks to those guys for all you do in supporting the podcast. Today, we welcome back World Series of Poker bracelet winner Chris Fox Wallace. I know a lot of you love hearing from him, and today we're going to talk a little bit of strategy with him. We're going to talk about uh, making some deep runs in tournaments. How do we do that? Uh, We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, strategy around playing special tournaments like add-ons and buybacks. I know Running Aces has their stack builder coming up August 22nd to 26th, where it's $150 buy-in for $10K, another $10 dealer appreciation for $10K, and then $50 for another $20K, which you can use right away, or you can save it uh, anytime up to the rebuy period. So uh, how do you strategically approach those things? We're going to talk about that. That was a question specifically from one of our listeners, Curtis Lemke. So Curtis, thanks so much for sending that in. We were able to turn that around right away and get get one of our experts on the job right away. So we're going to talk with Fox about some of the strategic things, but uh, up front, you're actually going to hear a little bit from him about a pretty big announcement coming up. Uh, I don't want to be the spoiler, so I'm going to let him share all that information. But it's a pretty big announcement about a brand that's been around. It's going to be relaunched, and uh, I think it's going to be fantastic. And so I'm excited to share that with you. So let's hear from Running Aces, and then when we come back, you will hear from Chris Fox Wallace. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota. Featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Well, everybody, as promised, here once again with World Series of Poker bracelet winner, Chris Fox Wallace. Fox, man, I, I tell you this every time I see you, but thanks so much for your support, your encouragement. Uh, with the podcast and for, I guess, your accessibility to us recreational players. Thank you. You run a really neat podcast. It's a thing that poker needs a lot more of. And what you do with the charity stuff is fantastic. You do uh, such a good job with the charity tour. It's it's incredible. Well, I appreciate that. It makes it a lot easier when you have people like yourself, you know, recognizable faces around Minnesota and beyond that are that are supporting it. That makes it a lot easier, brings credibility to it. So uh, I'm excited to, to put that together, but then obviously it takes the, takes the players to make it all happen. So that's really cool. So, you know, last time we chatted, it's been, been a few months since we chatted, uh, at least on, uh, on air, uh, we had a chance to connect at the world series, but why don't you t- take a few minutes here and just get everybody up to speed on what is, what is life like in the Fox den, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> um, been house hunting lately. Uh, I live with Jordan Hendricks in, in Las Vegas, and uh, we were house hunting yesterday. Um, I think we're going to buy a place out in the Summerlin area. Mm. And, uh, I'm really happy in Vegas. I've been here about two years full time. Kind of was here part time for quite a while, and uh, I just love it here. I don't love it this time of year so much. Usually, I'm back in Minnesota by now. Um, usually the day that I bust the main event at the World Series, I go I go to Minnesota. Yeah, because it's so hot here. But by the time September rolls around, it's beautiful here and it's beautiful again all the way until May. <clears throat> I love the city. Uh, the, the, you know, there's four 24-hour food places on my block. There's <laughs> uh, a 24 uh, there's a 24-hour Mexican place on my block where I can get a 
a prickly pear margarita the size of my head for eight dollars at five in the morning if I want. That's it's just a nice option to have, you know. And, and how many and how many times have you gotten one of those at five in the morning? Um, <laughs> some, <laughs> some, some, um, right? It's usually when when I'm with some people. It's not a thing I wander over there and do myself at five in the morning very often, but uh, I've taken quite a few people there. Well, right. And you, you told me, uh, you know, when we were out there for Vegas, uh, for the World Series this week, you were, you were explaining to us some of the cool places in Vegas that, you know, a lot of us tourists aren't even aware of. And now I didn't take the opportunity to do that because I was playing wall-to-wall poker. But, you know, I think there's more than meets the eye in Vegas. It's not just what you see on the Strip and not just what you see downtown, but it sounds like some really cool nature things as well out there. Yeah, you were really on it when you were out here. You, I, saw, I saw you one place, you busted a tournament. And we're, I think you even cashed in it, and then we're on, out, out the door on your way to go play the next tournament somewhere else. And the whole time you were here, you were, you were on it. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. I, I just, you know, I think the more I go out there, the more I'll find a more healthy rhythm to it. But uh, at one point, I played 22 and a half straight hours because it was the last day there. And I bu- <laughs> we started at 8 in the morning, and I busted a tournament about 10.30 at night. I said, I'm just going to jump in the 10 o'clock deep stacks. I uh, ended up actually ended up winning that thing, but it went to like six in the morning. So it's like, man, I was tired, but it was so fun. But I think eventually I'll find a better rhythm and actually take in some of the sights and do some of the, the cool things around there. Well done on the victory. That's more than I made this summer. Yeah, well, I don't, <laughs> a little, little bit smaller stakes and a little bit softer field. Well, when well, you come out here next time and you are trying to get a little more balance, we'll take you to all of the cool places we found. There's um, you know, for years I just came out here and considered it a work trip and I would just play poker the whole time I was here. And, uh, once I moved out here, Jordan knew all the spots and has been taking me hiking all over. Now we we go to Red Rock very often. It's only really half an hour out of town and it's beautiful. There's tons of different places to hike. Yeah. And, you know, Valley of Fire is only another hour away. Um, right before the world series uh we went with josh and katie sexton out to zion national park in utah and spent five days in an airbnb there and going Mm. to the park and amazing to just be able to do that whenever i feel like it i mean that's like i complain about poker a lot but one of the nice things about it is we decided two days before we left that that's what we were going to do and we all just threw a bunch of stuff in a cooler and and headed out and had a great time uh, <clears throat> there's tons of little parks around town. There's tons of bird watching places. And um, it's just so nice to be able to be outside so much. You know, right. that's what I don't like about this time of year. I, this time of year feels like January in Minnesota where you just don't want to go outside because it's dangerous outside. Yeah, I know. It, it, I, I liken it, it. To me, it's always very similar to like Minnesota when it's 20 below in the winter. Being in Vegas when it's 112 degrees out, I have that same feeling. I, I go to the door and I like take this deep breath and think, okay, you can do this. You know, <laughs> that's, it's it's yeah, 150 that's, degrees different, but I have this feeling. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same feeling I have when I'm about ready to go outside. Yeah, that's really how it feels. The good <laughs> news is it's only that way about three months a year here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At night, it gets a lot better. Even, yeah. You know, only during really like late July and August is it unpleasant at night. But it's only three months. What frustrated me about Minnesota was that it felt like seven or eight months a year I couldn't go outside. Yeah, it does feel like time that. I couldn't go outside because there were so many mosquitoes and ticks everywhere. So, right. You know, that you get that like rush of, of oh my God, it's so it's finally nice outside. It's actually nice. And uh, you know, I remember back in the days when I lived in Uptown, 
if you didn't get to uh, a place to eat outdoors or a, a, a rooftop to have a drink by like four in the afternoon, right. you weren't getting a seat because everybody was so excited to go out and do that. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, I know you, you've been an ambassador for a number of different things, your own brands and other brands. I'm not so sure that Minnesota is going to be hiring you to become the, the brand ambassador for the state. <laughs> no, that's unlikely. <laughs> that wasn't necessarily a ringing endorsement. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things I loved about Minnesota. and I have, uh, The people are wonderful, and I have a ton of great friends in Minnesota. I was very lucky to find just a huge circle of very good friends in Minnesota. Yeah, I will sure. always come back to visit, but I'm much happier living here. The, the people who are happy in Minnesota are the people who can enjoy the winters. You know, I've got a uh, an aunt and uncle and a couple cousins who live in Minnesota, and in particular my uncle um, gets out in the, in the winter and he says, why don't you just get out? And I, well, c- cause it's 20 below outside. That's why right. so he goes out skiing and cross country skiing, right. and hunting and, you know, does all these things that make the winter fun for him. And I think that's really how it's done. The only people I know who are really happy with the state are the people who learn to enjoy the winter and the snow. Right. No, I totally agree. Not so bad scraping ice off a car window at that point. Right. And I still don't have a garage that we park in at all. So it's, you know, it's every morning, start the car, scrape the window, actually, you know, two or three of the cars, uh, depending on who we have living at the house at the time. So it's, it's super exciting. Uh, but, but on to greater, on to greater things, uh, you know, obviously you've been, uh, if, if you don't follow Fox out on uh, Twitter, Facebook, you got some really cool photography things you're doing. So, I, so I'd love to have you share a little bit about you know, this photography hobby that you have going. And then I know you got some other things that are in the works that you want to share as well. Yeah, I got started in photography because of Next Level Poker. Uh, we started a tour company. Um, we, we ran one of our own events at Diamond Joe's and we've, um, we started the company to kind of provide broadcasting and, and services for anybody who wants to run events. Um, and then we'll talk about what that just, uh, what just happened with that in a few minutes. But uh, I figured I better have a camera to do that, a good camera to take pictures at events and be reporting and things. So <clears throat> I, I did some research and bought a Sony A6000 and started taking pictures, and they were good. And, uh, and taking good pictures is pretty easy these days. So I and I got into it when I when I get into a hobby, I really get into it and uh, started doing research and buying lenses and learning how to use Lightroom and um, <clears throat> had a ton of great things to take pictures of. I was lucky to have a good friend in Minnesota who's a night photographer. He loves to go out at night and take long exposure night photos. And he took me out one night and showed me a ton of cool tricks and how that's done. So I got into doing that. Now I walk around Vegas at three in the morning taking pictures sometimes. And um, I love to take pictures out at Red Rock when we're hiking. And yeah. It turned into a really fun thing. And when I started to post the stuff on Facebook, people said, this stuff's really good. And and uh, I knew that people would say that anyway, but I got enough of that that I thought maybe this stuff is kind of good. And then uh, right before the World Series, I bought a new camera, kind of upgraded a bunch of camera equipment so that I could have longer lenses that were smaller and uh, be able to hike with them. And now I'm now all I want to do is go take pictures all the time. It's hard to get any work done because I just want to take pictures. <laughs> right. Well, they are, they are really good. Now, I don't have a photographer's eye, so and I'm and I got the Minnesota nice thing going, so I'm always going to tell you stuff is good. But they <laughs> are. You'll tell me they're good. <laughs> but they are captivating. They really are. I think the the only, the only thing that I can add a value at some point is we got to get you to Rwanda with me so you can take pictures of the big game and the uh, the seven thousand different species of birds that are out there. I'm free uh, the end of August and all of September. <laughs> right, we'll see what we can do. I wish I could go that soon. 
You, yeah, you you tell me when to, you tell me when you're going, and I really want to go. Uh, yeah, I know you do. That would be a blast. You know, I'm only missing Africa and Antarctica for my continents, so I'd like to get. And, and Africa is a fantastic place to go take pictures, and I'd love to go see the places that you're working with, where yeah, providing clean water and things to these places. I mean, that's such a cool thing. Yeah, it's an, it's a transformational trip for sure. Absolutely. I went to Guatemala a couple times when I was young and, and spent a bunch of time in Central America and mm. seeing people who are actually poor, yeah, uh, who actually have st- real struggle in their lives kind of changed my uh, view on, on the world. Um, being poor in America is nothing like being poor in those places. Right. It, it does. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's horrible. Uh, but at the end of the day, it just it messes you up and it changes your paradigms. And I think that's a, a fantastic result for some of those trips. Do you end up giving away everything you take with you every time you go down there? Yeah. That's what, ha- every time I've been to Guatemala, I've done the same thing. I come home with an empty backpack if I have a backpack at all. Yeah, we bring as much, uh, usually we charter our trips with a, a group that works with nonprofits so we can bring a bunch of a bunch of bags. And so we get all kinds of, uh, you know, big duffel bags and suitcases donated. We pack them with uh, whatever they need over there. It's been rain boots, it's been clothes, it's been all kinds of stuff that we brought with. Uh, leave all of that there, leave the bags there. And then usually we're leaving, you know, our own clothes there to some extent. It's amazing how important luggage is. I I interact with a lot of homeless people here in Vegas when I'm out at night taking pictures. We have the highest per capita homeless population in America here. Mm. And uh, one of the biggest things they are excited about is if I buy a $5 uh, carry-on at a a Salvation Army and and fill it with stuff, they don't care about the stuff as much as they care about having a good bag to carry Mm -hmm. in. Yeah, because it's they're they're they have a mobile life, you know. Yeah. So that's that's cool. So yeah, keep going with the photos, man. We'll keep checking it out. And hey, if you're out there and you want the uh, you want Fox to take some pictures, give him a shout, man. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows Absolutely. what could happen out of that deal? I'm always looking to build my portfolio. Yeah, you you are an interesting guy. Like you know, you are you know whatever whatever comes up new, I know you're going to go in full on and and we're going to see some cool things come out of it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where this photo thing ends up. If it just remains a hobby or if it ends up becoming an income stream or who knows, whatever you end up winning, winning some sort of a a prize for your photo shoot in Rwanda. Who knows? That would be fun. (laughs) I just became the photographer for the CSOP as well. I'm going to be. Oh, really? Is that Matt Stout's thing? Yes. Cool. Uh, Matt's a good friend. He's a super great guy. I love him. And he's done a really good, really good job with the CSOP. Um, He's kind of done on a national scale what you've done locally in Minnesota, where he's just done such a good job and put so much work into his charity events that he just is doing better than everybody else in terms of being able to bring in big numbers of people and bring in celebrities and bring in and generate big numbers for the money that he's donating. Yeah, I would love to, you know, if it ever worked out, I'd love to get him on the show too and chat a little bit about how he did that and how we can continue to build the the brand of poker overall in the broader community. Yeah, I, I don't, I've never met him. I've, I've just heard great things about him and I've heard him laugh quite a bit. So I will make that happen for you. I that will, would be really cool. I'll talk to him in the next day or two and get him on the podcast. That would be awesome. He would love to get the word out more and meet other people who've done cool charity stuff and yeah. And he's yeah. a really entertaining guy. Yeah, he seem, he does seem like it. Well, let's talk a little bit about what uh, you mentioned Next Level. And I know you actually broadcasted the final table for All In For Africa uh, last year also. Uh, but tell me a little bit about what's going on with Next Level and uh, kind of what's next on the horizon for you. 
Well, um, the your Minnesota and Midwest list, listeners in particular will be familiar with iNinja Poker. Uh, started maybe four years ago, five yep. years ago, uh, took off like crazy, and then didn't work out. Um, right. And uh, I was on their pro team. Uh, have known Isaac, who started uh, iNinja since kind of the start of the brand. And uh, Isaac ran into money troubles, had never run a business before, and and gave up on it. Um, he was an amazing marketer did a great job with graphics and all these cool ideas. And he was, you know, really hardworking and, and was a great sales guy, but he hadn't run a business before and it just didn't pan out. And, uh, I Ninja was dead and he, we, he talked to quite a number of different people about potentially buying the brand and then kind of gave up on it and then decided he loved it and wanted it to continue. So he, um, handed it to me mm -hmm. and, so it is a next level company now. Isaac is no, no no longer any part of the company, but he has been helpful in providing us with all his old graphics and setting us up with his graphics people and um, offering us advice on how to you know book gigs and things like that. Uh, so uh, myself, Brian Soja, and Jordan Handrich are now the owners of iNinja. Next level is technically the owner of iNinja, but Brian and Jordan and I are the owners of that. So. We're going to bring iNinja back to life. We're going to, we, we've called it the resurrection. <laughs> um, our logo is a, 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 a zombie ninja crawling out of a grave. Um, and we're going to run a couple of special tournaments related to that. One of them is going to be the resurrection event, which we're going to have uh, probably as a special event in some other, uh, some other smaller series. And that will be uh, everybody gets an add-on chip. And when they basically you, you like a, like paying a standard add-on for the dealers kind of thing, and you get that chip, and whenever you go broke, that chip will give you twenty big blinds. Hmm. That's to, your to, that's your re your resurrection chip. Uh, resurrection, yep. Nice. And that chip will have a little, that chip will have the the ninja with the crawling out of the grave and. And we're pretty excited about the relaunch of iNinja. Yeah, think. I mean, the, the brand is super cool. I wasn't super close to it. I did play in, in one of the leagues that they had, and I think Isaac did a great job, like you said, of, of branding and sales, and the, the logos and all that stuff was really cool. So I'm excited to see that relaunch. I know even, uh, I think they were at the World Series one year, I believe, right, selling merchandise and things? They did a Planet, yeah, they did a big uh, event at Planet Hollywood. Okay. And crushed the guarantee. They crushed every guarantee they ever had, which has made it a lot easier for us to, to book other venues, right? Talk to other venues when they see all oh, these guys smash guarantees every time. That's that's really really good. So will there be a will there be a next level brand as well as an iNinja brand, or will it be the iNinja brand really going forward under the next level umbrella? We're not sure what will happen with next level in terms of running tournaments that are branded next level. We're certainly willing to do that, but most places we've talked to have been excited about iNinja. Okay. And are you still going to be continuing the, I know with part of next level was like you had mentioned providing some, you know, final table video commentary, uh, all of those pieces. Are you still going to be doing that as well? Or is the kind of the relaunch, the resurrection of iNinja going to be taking all of your time? We're still going to be doing that and we'll be doing it at the iNinja events for sure. Okay. We'll be doing kind of a lot of the things we came up with for next level to uh, be able to offer events uh, both in a less expensive way for both the players and the house um, using a lot of different technology that a lot of the older tours aren't using 
Um, we think we can do it better and cheaper and in a more modern way. And we'll be applying all those things to iNinja. We'll be doing the live streaming with commentary. We'll be um, interacting with fans on Twitch during that. And hopefully the players as well, interacting with the fans on Twitch. Oh, cool. We will be uh, bringing most of our sponsors over as well. And they're pretty excited about the relaunch of the brand. So we'll be doing a lot of the same kinds of tournaments. We'll probably do some kind of free roll sit and go. We'll probably do some uh, training seminars attached to it. A lot of the other things that we were going to do with next level, we'll do with iNinja. Oh, very cool. So is there a, uh, a date and location set that you can announce for the resurrection or for any other tournaments yet? Or is that still TBD? It's sort of TBD. We are talking to a bunch of places and we have one place that we're sure we're going to have an event, but we don't announce anything until we have a signed contract and all right. the, everything's set up to do a proper announcement with uh, all the graphics and everything. But that will, that will be happening and it will be in the Midwest. That's okay. Our, well, yeah, make sure you let me know and I'll make sure to get the word out to, to everybody as well uh, to the extent that our platform can help draw a few more people. But I think it's, it's really cool because it's a cool brand um, you know, and obviously with you, Mr. Soja, Jordan, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of integrity there, a lot of experience, both as a player, as well as, you know, running things and knowing how things work and knowing what it takes to actually have a sustainable business. And so I think it's a, it's a great blend and I'm excited to see what you guys can make out of it. It really helps to have three people who are serious poker players, uh, one serious tournament poker pro, one person who's been a, a tournament director and is a, and a dealer in, in Brian Soja. Right. And, uh, Jordan's been a serious poker player and a lawyer. So right. uh, we kind of have all the pieces covered. And, and uh, Brian and I have both done commentary before. So, um, yeah, we, we were lucky to have the right set of people. And we all, we all had to have flawless reputations in the poker world to be able to bring back a brand that had problems. Right. So, it was the right mix of people for iNinja. Yeah, that is fantastic, dude. Yeah. So are you, do you have a, anything in mind as far as how many, how many tournaments you're hoping to get to a year? Or is it just really, let's just relaunch here. Let's see what happens. Let's see what kind of momentum we can build. Let's see where we can go. Or, you know, is there, is there kind of a long-term plan or strategy or vision with, with this? Um, we have some long-term plans about big things, but we'll have to see how it goes first. Uh, we're ha we would be happy to do as many events as we can book and the way that things are set up where I can run the broadcast out of a suitcase, right. um, really makes life easier. A lot of tours, all the major tours just couldn't do, uh, as many events as we could because they have to either, uh, drive somewhere with a, um, an RFID table or they have to fly in a film crew, or they have to bring in a bunch of dealers. Um, with you know all those kinds of things, limit how many events they could run. Where you know, if 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 you if somebody wants to book us forty weekends next year, we'll we'll work them. Hmm. Yeah. If you know any poker room, if any poker room managers are listening, get in touch with us. We'll make you a hell of an offer. That's really cool. Yeah, you guys check that out. If you if you're not connected to Fox already on uh, on Facebook or, or Twitter, feel free to reach out to me and I can connect you as well. Uh, maybe with that Fox, are there, is there a relaunch then also of the, any uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anything on social media that I ninjas is back active on that people should connect with? Yes. We'll, we will relaunch it all, um, this weekend around the time that this podcast goes up. You're, you're, you're getting, uh, the scoop along with a couple other media outlets and that will be, uh, at iNinja Poker on Twitter, and there's a second. What's the other iNinja handle? 
Um, I thought there was a second I Ninja handle that you just registered. Oh, I Ninjoke. Oh, yeah, it's, that's right. It's at I Ninjoke on Twitter as well. Okay. And what? There's a Facebook page and there's the website, iNinjaPoker.com. So, so Jordan is right there and she hasn't chimed in yet. Jordan, what's going on? <laughs> I'm a stalker, so I watch everything. <laughs> so it's, you're, you're his legal counsel, so you're just kind of there to hold your hand up and say, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she hates when I do lessons and she's not around to hear them. She wants more <laughs> to listen in on the lessons. Yeah, that's kind of nice, man. I just want to sit there while you're giving somebody a lesson. That'd be fantastic. Sometimes it's useful. Sometimes it's an absolute beginner where she probably doesn't learn anything. Right. Well, very cool about the yeah about the launch, and we'll make sure that we uh, we get the word out uh, as much as we can uh, on that deal. So, anything else with iNinja before we move on? Do you want to tell them about the team event too? Uh, yeah, well, we we are going to probably have team events at most of our oh. um, stops, and and that will be uh, the iNinja. We talked about. Uh, the Ninja Clan Assassin and talked about a couple <laughs> other potential names for it, but it will be a um, like a three-person team, and you get credits for both finish position and knockouts, and then payouts by by score. We think that'll keep people interested. If you if you know if, if one of your guys is still in, but you but two of you are already busted, right. uh, it's worth sticking around because if he wins the tournament, it gets you enough points that you get payouts even if the two of you didn't do very well. You know. I think that that makes it more interesting and the team events that i've played at, at canterbury and running aces have been really fun so i think people will like them yeah i don't know if you remember you and i actually were on one of those five person teams it's the only team event i ever played and I, I just found it so fascinating uh basically because you can share anything you want at least the rules at, at these where you can share anything you want except the contents of your hand so i specifically remember asking you one time when uh ku vang had shoved on me i could ask you hypothetically fox what range would you call with here you know, and I think it was it was it was super great way to learn the game. I think a lot of energy, a lot of engagement by people because there's just so much more natural chatter than there otherwise would be. Yeah, I think our events will be uh, the, the they won't have that much. Uh, yeah, there won't be any different talking rules like those. Those were really fun, but um, <laughs> our events will just be a regular tournament and and then adding up uh, knockouts and points for the for the three people. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I was always kind of torn by that. I haven't played many just because of that. It feels like the more that you play together as a team, the bigger the advantage is. So unless you're playing all the time, it seems like it's hard to really compete with the teams that kind of have all that language down. So what you're saying is yours would be not really a, uh, it's really just into playing independently and then just, uh, combining the results. Pretty much. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Kind of like a bounty, but yeah, like a team bounty event, kind of. Okay. The events that that uh, Aces and Canterbury ran, where they were um, the five on five, like you and I played, I felt like my teams always had a huge advantage because most teams didn't understand how the how much value there was in keeping team members alive, and right. how much value there was in asking the really experienced, good players how to do things. And right. I remember Molly kept looking at me during a, <laughs> one of the team events, and I would say. I would probably call with something like <laughs> exactly. or better and sixes are better here. And she would do exactly that. And it, exactly. and the other team would, would just kind of do whatever they felt like doing. And their less experienced players would just do their own thing. And right. it was, and they just really almost didn't have a shot. The structures are really good. And the, the, the couple best teams won every time. 
Well, yeah. So I look forward to look forward to those events coming up. That's going to be fantastic. Um, yeah, connect with Fox, the I Ninja, the I I Joke uh, on Twitter. Uh, follow him on Facebook. Uh, good stuff there. So I was going to ask you a, a unrelated question, I guess, but it's when you mentioned the Resurrection um, tournament, and you mentioned having a a special chip where you can kind of turn that in whenever you bust to get a new 20 big blinds. It, we, had, we had a question from uh, one of our listeners and I, and I told him, I said, let me ask Fox this question. So um, his question was around this, well, specifically around the running aces tournament. They have something coming up called the stack builder. Uh, but it's more of a general question around playing these kind of these funky tournaments where uh, you you can do an add-on at some point in time. So the way the running aces one works, really. The, well, first of all, the question is basically, how, you know, what's the optimal way to play this thing? So the running aces stack builder, uh, it's coming up uh, August twenty second through twenty sixth, but they're doing a hundred fifty dollar buy-in plus a ten dollar dealer appreciation. So if you do both of those things, you get twenty k in chips, and then for another fifty dollars, you can get another twenty k. And you can do that either right away uh, or all the way up through the the rebuy deadline. So, you know, the question that that really is posed is, you know, what's the optimal way to play that? So do you you just say, give me the 40K up front because I want to maximize my, you know, the the ability to pound? Or do I take it later in case I get cooler and I didn't lose my whole stack? Uh, or, you know, if I, if I build a big stack, should I still use it at the deadline? So just kind of some general questions around that. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, uh, sort of how you would approach those sorts of tournaments. I'll take the easy part of that first. Um, <laughs> I like to ask 30 questions in one as you, well, <laughs> as you well know. The easy part of it is, uh, whether you should use your rebuy toward the rebuy period, toward the end of the rebuy period, if you have a lot of chips, um, you can run an ICM calculator and get a feel for what chips are worth. But if you're paying 160 for 20K and you're paying another 50 for another 20K, right. it's going to be fairly rare that you'd want to turn that down. Yeah, You probably have to have 200,000 or, or 150,000. Maybe at 150,000, you'd turn it down. Um, at 100,000, even at 100,000, you should probably take it. Um, that, that line is probably somewhere north of a hundred thousand, but it also depends on how many chips other people have. What do you, what do you think your skill advantage is? Those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But if you have, you know, if you've tripled up and have 60,000, you should still probably be paying that 50 for another 20,000. The question of when to use it is a very interesting one. And I've heard, uh, different ideas about that. Uh, if you, think that you have a huge advantage over the field, then it depends on, and this is often I've discussed this with other pros who feel like they have a huge advantage over the field. We, we always think that. Um, it depends on how many chips other people have. Uh, when you're playing cash games, you generally want to be topped up and have a big stack because you can make more money with that big stack than other people are going to get from you with you know, having that big stack. So you, you'd, you'd want them all if somebody, if other people have them all. But if other people are not taking that 40K to start with, then you, you, wanna, you may want to press your skill advantage in the other direction of staying alive long enough for your skill advantage to work and wait. Um, so if everybody else has 20K, 25K, I would probably wait. Um, if, if other people are using that or if somebody else at the table 
has doubled up and they're not a very strong player and they're on your right, you want that 40,000. That would be the primary motivator for me to do one thing or the other would be other stack sizes and skill levels of the players at the table. And then <clears throat> if you're starting to get short, uh, if you're getting close to the rebuy, end of the rebuy period, uh, and you've got 20,000 and the blinds are, you know, 500, 1,000, you may want to double your stack there because a lot of people are going to have more chips than you and it can be really uh, useful to get up to that, you know, from 20 big blinds to 40 big blinds. It's, it's very much, it's like with every poker question, it depends. It depends, right? <laughs> sometimes uh, having a resteal stack between, you know, 12 and 20 big right. blinds can be super valuable. At some tables, that is an incredibly powerful weapon to have. Because I've heard it said even that, that 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 can be actually the most profitable spots in poker. Yeah, but at some tables, people are playing tight and then calling it off when you ship on them, and the re, and the resteal is just almost useless. And then you want the forty k, so you can three bet people and steal pots on the flop, or you know get you get a big double up when you get a real hand. So I would think about how is my stack going to play at this table as it is now, and how would it play if I had another twenty thousand. Hmm. I wouldn't be worried that much about the 50 bucks unless you have at least a hundred thousand. I would, I would think I'm going to take this. The question is just when. Yeah. I think, the, I think the way that I would approach it is say, I know this is going to be a $210 tournament. It's just a matter of what's the optimal time to take it. What I'm hearing from you is let the chip stack of the, of, let your chip stack relative to the rest of the table more or less dictate that, that decision on timing. Yeah. But I would almost always agree that, you're going to treat it as a $210 tournament. And, and since the rebuys are allowed, if they are in that tournament, I would really treat it like a $500 tournament and just be willing to rebuy a couple times if I have to. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to show up to a rebuy tournament without three or four buy-ins. Right. Right. One of the, one of the other interesting things that they're doing is uh, you can actually take, uh, there's multiple flights into day two. And instead of doing what they do with their, uh, a lot of their 280s where they have a, a like a $1,200 buyback, what they're doing is you can actually advance two bags, but the smaller bag, you just get um, a certificate for $150 deep stack tournament to be used sometime over the next year. So there is, there is some uh, sort of a qualifier type of feel in some situations. Uh, and, and Interesting that, way to do that. I like, I like that. Uh, yeah. That's really smart for the house to get people to come back in later and, that's a smart thing to do. Yeah, I think there's there'll be less barking about uh, you know the buybacks taking away from the prize pool and that sort of thing. Which is one of the things I also wanted to ask you about, kind of related to this, is uh, their their signature series tournaments have the two hundred eighty dollar six day ones. Uh, if you advance more than once, you play the big sack, and then you get a twelve hundred dollar buyback on the uh, the smaller bags. And I'm curious, you know, there's always this back and forth uh, from people on if they like buybacks or don't like buybacks. Uh, the advantages of the buyback, of course, is if I get through one day, I can play more more flights, and presumably overall that's going to increase the prize pool. Uh, the negatives of the buyback uh, are that $1,200 every time somebody has multiple bags is going to come out of the prize pool. Uh, so you have this, you know, we're going to add more entries, but then we're going to take out of the prize for the buybacks. And then there's also this, this funkiness that happens at the end of day one, when you have several people that have already gotten through a bag, you know, and they're just trying to uh, survive to get the $1,200. So they're playing it like a qualifier while everybody else is playing it, trying to build a stack for day two. And so I'm curious, you know, if, if you've thought about that, what are your perspectives on it? 
I notice any time a new type of tournament or a new structure, anything is changed, um, strong players generally like it, and weaker players will sometimes be afraid of it. Um, strong players will look at, at all these things as potential opportunities. We are predators. Um, weaker players will only see that uh, as a positive thing if it's a fun change they like. So when you introduce new things like that, you have to be careful that, that weaker players don't feel like it makes them prey and that it's fun for them. Otherwise, they won't see the equity because my whole job is to see, is to see real equity and to see through all of the rigmarole and games that, that make things look different. Um, hmm. So, you know, I get, when I get a, um, an email from Caesars that they want me to come in and play some uh, free thing, I can look at it and say how much real value is in this pretty much right away. And I do the same thing with these different tournament options. When I look at buybacks, uh, I love them because I see what they do to field sizes and prize pools. Right. I see what they do to the play, and I see all these opportunities to attack that. Uh, players who just want poker to be played the right way, the old school way, that they talk about pure poker. I've got a friend who says Omaha is not poker because it's not because mm. it's too crazy. And I know lots of people feel that way about rebuys and about re-entries. There are people who say, I just want a good old-fashioned freeze-out. I want poker to be played the right way. Uh, the reality is if we're playing it with chips and cards for money, it's poker. And we can treat that a lot of different ways. If the, if the kind of poker you like is, is a simple no-limit hold'em freeze-out, that's fine. I like them too. But uh, all these things are poker, and they're all... Uh, things we can exploit and the more odd things there are the more interesting it is for me and the more things there are for me to attack so when i know that someone has gotten a stack through already and i see them with a short right. stack toward the end of the day i love that because i'm going to steal all of their blinds <laughs> right. for the whole rest of the day and they're not going to play a hand right and when i see players who've gotten a, a small stack through and want to build then I can treat that differently. And when I know people haven't gotten a stack through and they really want to, I can treat it differently. Uh, you know, you get a feel for how people are playing and toward the end of the day, it becomes a really interesting dynamic. Oh, I, for sure. I think a lot of people uh, see that dynamic as, as a change that they don't like. They're afraid of the change. Uh, but I, I see it as an opportunity and I think it's really fun and anything that makes poker more interesting is great for me at this point because I've kind of, played enough poker that I'm, I'm bored with the same old stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's one of the things that I learned in those buybacks uh, or after the first few times of playing it is I never tell anybody if I've got a bag through or not, because it's, you can take advantage of people so much there. And I know that's when I've, I've built so many big stacks at the end of day one, simply by knowing who at the table already has a bag through. It really helps. It's huge. And well, I see people, uh, you know, people will look at how much money came out of the prize pool for the buybacks and then mm -hmm. be disappointed. Then, uh, if, but if you add up, say, right. okay, what if we hadn't had buybacks here right. and everybody only played this tournament once, the prize pool would in the end probably be quite a bit smaller because most people who are chasing those buybacks are not doing so profitably. Right. And that, that's what I try to tell people all the time. And I, I just, I, it's rare that I find somebody that can actually go there logically with me. I don't know what the numbers actually are, but people say they took out $10,000 out of the prize pool. And I said, well, how many entries do you think accounted for those people chasing the buybacks? 
And how much did that add to the prize pool? But people are like, oh, they, they just keep taking out of the prize pool. Well, I, I, you know, I'm trying to explain that instead of 850 people, we might have had 500 or, or 550. Who knows? Exactly. So, when people, when they're paying, you know, when they're, when they're getting 15% of the field through to day two and they're paying $1,200 buybacks for 280, that's approximately 25%. You're, you're getting a huge advantage there yeah. in extra money going into the prize pool that people are putting in and putting in that and you, you know, getting it in bad is what you want your opponents to do. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So we're, we're running low on time already. The time just flies by, but I did have one more question. I wanted to pick your brain on a little bit. And, and this is related to uh, just, you know, how do you make deep runs in huge tournaments? And I, and I ask you this, of course, because you did win a world series of poker bracelet. Uh, you've also ran super deep. I don't remember top three or four final t- tables. I think last in last year's uh, World Series main event. Um, you know, I just I'm curious as you look at those, you know, multi-day tournaments. Like, I mean, obviously having the skill set and having all the tools is important. But is there anything specific to those big tournaments, those huge fields, those long long days that you know you'd say really are the keys to 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 making it deep? I think it's extra important in those events because typically they have very good structures to understand the structure is fantastic and to never panic. My advice to many of my friends who, who will ask me things about poker uh, in tournaments is never punt, never give up, never punt your stack away, fight for every last chip and don't panic and, and throw your chips away because everybody else has twice as many chips as you are. Just know I have 30 big blinds. That is a fine tournament stack. I'm not going to do anything stupid. Now I have 18 big blinds. That's a fine re-steal stack. I'm not going to do anything stupid. I'm going to play smart poker. Um, you know, I have 50 big blinds, and I, suddenly I'm in this huge pot, and I only have jacks on a nine-high board, and I, you know, maybe I should just throw these away because I've got lots of time and I have 50 big blinds left. It's about being. Um, it's about being more conservative with how much you're willing to gamble, and then since you're going to spend all day with people in a good structure, you don't get moved tables as much. Your tables mm-hmm. don't get broken as much, and you don't lose as many opponents. So you're going to have more time to study these people, and that means you're going to find more opportunities to attack them if you're paying attention, and that again leads to a little bit more conservative play because your ROI goes up when you know the, the more advantage you have over the field, the less gambles you should be taking, the less crazy risks. And you may end up playing more hands um, on like day four and five of the main last year. I played a lot of hands, but I was able to because everybody's conservative by the time you get to day five in the main, almost everybody. Ben Lamb wasn't, but everybody else was. <laughs> um, and you find opportunities to take advantage of them. But if somebody pushed back and it was a gamble, I usually turned it down. You have to be more careful and pay attention all day. And then you can you have a real shot at making deep runs in those events. But a lot of it is the fundamentals. Just just get better. It's not a, when people ask me how do I how do I stop bubbling tournaments? I tell them get better at poker. It's not about how you're playing on the bubble necessarily. If right. you play better the first two hours, you might have had a bigger stack to take to the bubble, where you could get somebody to fold a hand that you could then chip up more and make a deep run. And you know, the littlest things in the beginning have a butterfly effect later. And so, it's just get better at poker. That's so good. I think that's that's such a key question. Whether it's in in any given hand, or it's in any given tournament, or it's in any given a series of tournaments, that idea of how did I get here? 
you know, I think that's something that I think you shared in one of our earlier interviews. That was a great breakthrough perspective of it's not just the decision that you're facing at the moment. It's every decision that you made leading up to that point. Yeah, they all matter. Yeah. Well, hey, good stuff. Let's uh, we got we got to wrap up here. But why don't you uh, give us one more uh, one more shout out around iNinja, how people can connect with you uh, if they're interested in both you personally and your photography as well as iNinja. What have, what should people do? Uh, at iNinja Poker on Twitter is going to be the best spot to be in touch with us. I'm at Fox Poker Fox on Twitter. Um, I accept pretty much all friend requests that aren't spam on Facebook, and you can see my pictures there. Um, foxphotos.myportfolio.com is not the greatest domain, but it's free from Adobe, and it's a beautiful uh, setup where they, they put uncompressed, somehow they put uncompressed pictures online. Hmm. Uh, that load very quickly. I don't know how they do it, but uh, I put my portfolio up there, so there's some fun pictures to look at. And uh, iNinjaPoker.com is going to be where all of the announcements happen. Very cool. Well, excited to see where that goes. Make sure you let us know, and I will have you back on here from time to time, I'm sure. Thanks for having me on, Steve. I'll take you up on that trip to Rwanda whenever you're ready. All right, I'll let you know once we get it booked. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care, Fox. See you, Jordan. Have a good night. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks to Fox. Thanks to Curtis Lemke for the question. Uh, That's it for today's episode. I want to remind you that uh, you can really help us out here by liking us, or you can rate us and review us on iTunes. Uh, You can subscribe, and you can tell others about us. Uh, The numbers have been growing great, and we'd love to keep that going. So please feel free to share this with others, and let me know if you have ideas for an episode or if you have some contacts with other pro players that you'd like to hear from. Uh, connect me and let's go. Uh, also, if you want to wear a rec poker patch, I'm happy to send those out. And we have a lot of merchandise now available at, thro- at uh, flopTheWorld.com slash rec poker. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at rec poker, Facebook, we have the rec poker group, or email me directly, stevefredland at gmail.com. As always, good luck to you on and off the felt this week. <laughs>